Hello, welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill, this is episode 298. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. 298. That means we're closing in on number 300 because that's how numbers work. Very exciting because we all know that the 300th episode of a podcast brings about universal peace and unicorn rainbows and, I don't know, uh, pleasant smelling farts. So you have all of that to look forward to. I'm not sure what a unicorn rainbow is. I probably meant to say a unicorn farting rainbows and then just ended up saving the fart part for later. Uh, I don't know. The fact remains, episode 300 is coming soon. Uh, I don't know exactly what I'm going to do for it. Stay tuned to this station for more information, I guess, next episode. So I better start thinking about it. Let's see. So this is my first recording since my dad died. I just want to take a second to thank everybody who reached out on social media. When I posted about it, posting about a family tragedy like that is always kind of a dicey proposition. I wasn't even sure if I was going to post anything because it seems like really what you're doing is inviting people to send their condolences. On the other hand, social media really works best when you're communicating with people as if you know them, right? As if you're a a community. And this was a thing going on in my life, so I communicated it. And I appreciate everybody saying nice things. So thanks for that. Uh, Hopefully all is well where you are. Uh, Things are fine here. Uh, We've got Atari games, nothing else. So let's get on to talking about Atari games. Got an email from Sean. Hi, Sean. He wrote, I guess this actually was a post on the uh, Patreon posting, about Communist Mutants from Space. He writes, Communist Mutants is quite a fun game. I had a supercharger for a while. Uh, oh, that's right. This is the game that um, you could use the, uh, the st- was it the Star Path Supercharger to load the game up from like a cassette player? It was goofy. But anyway, Sean says, I had a supercharger charger for a while, but sold it off recently. When clearing clearing some space in the apartment. Thankfully, the Harmony card eliminates the need for the thing. I hear you, Sean. I think it's pretty much hit or miss with 7800 systems. It works in both of mine, and they're both likely from the last production run of the 7800, given that they both have absolutely zero evidence of an expansion port. No pins, no cutout, no nothing. What's cool about the Supercharger is you don't necessarily need to load the game from cassette, but from any audio source. I know people who actually use some kind of MP3 playback, computer, iPod, etc., we yeah, pause here and ask, does anybody use an iPod for anything anymore? I guess maybe uh, some people out there are using their old iPod to do this. So there's that, I guess. Weird thing is, Sean says, the files are in MP3 format, which is a lousy audio compression. I mean, the wave versions are tiny, like, what, 16 kilobytes, if that? So are you really saving that much space by making them making them MP3s? And given that MP3 is a lousy compression, does it not follow that squashing a supercharger game down to MP3 would run the risk of losing some necessary data? Sean, I gotta tell you, you're asking the wrong guy. Because I know, you know, turn thing on, play it, turn thing off. I have learned quite a bit in the years I've been doing this podcast, but I still am not an expert on these uh, technical aspects. My kid, Henry, isn't either, but he is rapidly becoming a computer and robotics and science type kid. I'm hopeful perhaps one day he will learn the uh, 
inner workings of the Atari systems, the various systems, so that he can be my pit crew guy for this stuff. Um, if for no other reason, then he could finally get working the 5200 that I bought a very long time ago because I was intrigued by it and I found one on eBay that supposedly was in working condition and it technically was, except for the disturbing sparks that would come off of the thing when you tried to use it. I hunted around a little bit, read the internet like a complete novice that I am, and found the parts that I think I need, and then quickly realized I don't know what I'm doing. So I've got not functioning 5200 and a bunch of new parts and don't know what to do with them. Part of that is a, a time issue. I barely have time to get this podcast out, much less try to rebuild a, a old game system. So I'm hoping Henry gets excited about computers and technology, particularly old technology, even more, and maybe he can fix it. In the meantime, if any of you wants to fix my 5200 for free, I don't know why you'd want to do that, but if you do, let me know, because I got one, and I got a bunch of games, and I can't use them. So, such is life, I guess. Sean concludes his email with a philosophy that I guess pretty much I live by. He says, Oh, well, if it works, it works, I guess. The game is like Galaxian, except it's actually fun. Ouch. Take that, Galaxian. I think I like Galaxian. I think I like Galaga, Galaga, Potato Potato better. Although as I'm sitting here, I can't quite remember what the difference between the two is. But my my sense is I like Galaga better. But I don't think I have any hatred for Galaxian. Uh, I've done both of them on the podcast. I would be intrigued, Sean, to know why you hate Galaxian so much. Or any of you for that matter. So let me know. Thanks for the email, Sean. You know what we don't hate and isn't anything like Galaxian? This week's game. This week's game is Quest for Quintana Roo from Sunrise Software, 1984. One of the interesting things about this game, not even about the game itself, but about the um, the stuff of the game, is that there really isn't much stuff. I, I'm not saying that well. I don't have to do words good. Me only do podcast. Me no need talk good. The manual appears to be really, really sparse. I couldn't find any manual copies that have pictures of anything or screen shots. It's all text, apparently. And here's what we're told. The object of the game is Yucatan Sam, distant cousin to Yosemite Sam, perhaps? Explores the temples of Quintana Roo, searching for the keys to open the ceremonial vault and acquire the riches inside. Because, you know, in the 80s, plundering the artifacts of other cultures was hilarious fun. We start the game by putting the cartridge into the console, turning it on, pressing the reset, switch, or fire button to start the game. The number of game lives is shown in yellow at the top right of the screen. So, what are you dealing with? You have to evade poisonous snakes while climbing the outside of the temple. There are like five or six levels, and each level has a room that you can enter. Beware of the moon god's wrath for reflecting from the eyes of the temple. Basically, it just means something shoots at you every now and then and knocks you back off of the uh, level of the temple that you have climbed to. Stand next to the first step at the side of the temple. Push the joystick away from you to walk up the steps at the side of the temple. Pull the joystick toward you to walk down the steps. Uh, this is all pretty intuitive. Stand next to the temple temple on any of the five levels that are paved with red flagstones and depress the fire button to enter the first room on that level. I want to say the coloring on my screen, the people who watch the video field report can correct me here, but and I don't have it up on the screen right now, but I don't think they were red. I think it was just all kind of oranges and yellows and things, but whatever. So 
you go into one of the, there's a room on each level. So you go into one of the rooms, they all kind of look alike. You can move around the floor of the room using various tools and weapons. Press the joystick in any of the eight directions to move Sam. Depress the game select switch on the console to choose a tool or a weapon. And you know you've chosen a different tool or weapon because your dude changes color. He starts out as white and he can be struck that. Uh, when he's white, he has nothing in his hands. Press the fire button, uh, lets him pick up treasures, pick up supplies, pick up herbs, and map rocks. When he picks up a map rock, he turns yellow. Okay. Uh, that's the part I was kind of getting confused about, what the yellow version of you was. And I guess, like it says here, that's you picking up the map rock. Sam must drop the map rock to pick up another object or use a tool or a weapon. Pressing the fire button when Sam is white or yellow causes him to exit a room if he is standing in the black doorway. When Sam is blue, he eats a lot of ice cream. Wait, no, sorry. When Sam is blue, he has drawn his gun. Pressing the fire button shoots the gun. The number of bullets remaining is shown in blue, basically six little blue squares at the bottom left of the screen. When Sam is red, he has grasped a flask of bourbon. No, sorry, Jen. Acid. Pressing the fire button causes Sam to throw the acid. The number of flasks remaining is shown in red at the bottom right of the screen. I had two little animations or, or graphics or special effects or whatever in this game that I actually kind of liked. One of them was the throwing the flask, because you see this little red thing make this arc through the air and then land where, wherever it lands. That was kind of cool. And the other one is when you're chiseling, uh, which I haven't gotten to yet, uh, chiseling the wall of the temple. That looks kind of cool and sounds kind of cool. When you're green, you have grasped your chisel. I really want to make a grasping a chisel joke here, but I'm not gonna. Pressing the fire button causes Sam to use your chisel. To press the game reset switch to immediately drop whatever Sam is carrying, thus turning white in color again. Pressing the fire button causes Sam to pick up objects if he has nothing in his hand. This allows Sam to exit the room if he is standing in the doorway. One of the things I did wrong in this game is instead of pressing the reset switch, I would just scroll through with the select switch to get back to white, and that takes up you know, fractions of seconds, but long enough for a snake to kill you. That was my mistake. Uh, also, I, I'm not going to take blame for it, though, because I really blame Atari, Sunrise uh, Games, actually, I guess, for making one of these kind of games that I hate, where you have to flip switches on the console to, uh, to do things. It's not all operated through the joystick. I don't like that. I want them to stop. You know, 40 years later. It's annoying because to do that, you have to be sitting basically on your console. And you have to look down at the console while stuff is going on on the screen. And if you're like me, that requires more kneeling. And while I'm not old, I'm at an age where I don't want to be rolling around on the floor like that. I don't need it. This um, annoyance factor, probably when I get to the part where I say what I think of this game, is probably going to color that a little bit. You'll know because I change colors, much like Yucatan Sam. Wait, was that it? Yucatan Sam? Yeah, yeah. Yucatan Sam. Okay. So, who are you up against? You have snakes that you can kill by shooting them. You have mummies that can be destroyed with the acid. It's not in the field report, but when I was playing, uh, getting ready for the field report, one of the times I opened a secret passage, a mummy came out and killed me. That seems unfair. Uh, the treasures include map rocks, which you use to open the vault, treasures that are used to score points, acid that restocks Sam's supply. Uh, this is all stuff you find in these vaults, these secret vaults. 
If Sam is bitten by a snake or a spider, you have 60 seconds. A little timer pops up at the top of the screen. To find the magic green herbs. <laughs> and pick them up, thereby curing yourself. The amount of time Sam has left before you die is shown in red at the top center of the screen. The magic herbs, by the way, are just a little green square in the middle of the temple floor. The, the vault room floor, whatever they call it. it. Takes a really long, not really long time. It took a little bit of time to figure out that that's what it was. The air in the temple is very stale. When Sam enters the temple, he has only 90 seconds of breathable air. Again, there's no little timer for that. He must exit the temple before this time is gone or he will die. The time remaining is shown in white at the top left of the stream. In order to open the map vault, Sam must grasp a map rock and place it in the proper map rock hole. This is done by positioning Sam under the desired hole and pressing the fire button. I've played this game a bunch of times. I still don't know where the flipping map holes are. If the rock is in the proper hole, or proper one, the hole will disappear. If, it's in the, if it is incorrect, the map rock will be lo reloco relocated somewhere in the temple. On the initial screen, when you're outside the temple, actually every time you're outside the temple, at the bottom, on the bottom level, there are on the left and right a series of five holes. I don't know if that's what they're talking about or what. So if anyone knows the answer to that, I even looked at some videos online, which honestly, I don't usually do. But I did for this, because I didn't know what was going on. And it, that didn't help me either. Scoring. We all like to score, don't we? Killing enemies gets you 100 points. Opening a vault gets you 100 points. Picking up treasures or inserting map rocks gets you 1,000 points each. Opening a map vault gets you 5,000 points. You get an extra man for collecting 20 treasures without dying. Helpful hints. Bring all five map rocks to the map vault room before inserting them. I don't have a flipping clue how you do that. This will make it easier to remember which ones you have tried. Save one flask of acid as a defense against the mummy. Leave one cache of acid flasks in an exposed vault room as an emergency supply. Sam can only carry five flasks of acid at a time. If you pick up more, you will lose the excess. When you are exploring the long columns of rooms, keep an eye on your air timer. Only explore half of the rooms at a time. I don't know what they're talking about, long columns of rooms. Remember where the magic herbs are. <laughs> Position Sam's nose under the hold you wish to try when attempting to insert map rocks. Remember, Sam can only exit a room if he is white or yellow. Oh, I didn't know you could if you were yellow too. Interesting. To pause the game, select black and white TV type. Oh, that would have been handy earlier. To restart the game, select the color TV type. And that, I guess, is how you play Quest for Quintana Roo from Sunrise Software. I'm not rich or famous. I'm not a movie star, rock icon, first responder, nurse, doctor, or anybody else whom we all look up to. I'm just a schnook. Just like Bill, I love to tell stories. Unlike Bill, though, I'm not creative enough to write my own, so I just tell my own real-life stories in this book-read-by-the-author-style podcast, all about life lessons growing up, and every episode, a segment about music. Music that I love, artists that I admire, and sometimes even my own music. You can find Autobiography of a Schnook on all your favorite podcast suppliers, or you can go to schnookpodcast.com. That's S-C-H-N-O-O-K podcast.com. And I firmly believe the good goes around, and I sincerely hope that Autobiography of a Schnook proves to be some good that goes around your way. Dr. Spuds at over, there, over there at Dr. Spuds Reviews Things three years ago 
notes that Sunrise was a blip on the radar of the 2600 library. They appeared, released a single game, and vanished, just like that. Even though they only released a single 2600 game, it doesn't mean they didn't release others in different systems. A few for ColecoVision, uh, ports for their main game, a quest for Quintana Roo for major consoles and home computers. Quest for Quintana Roo is a gorgeous-looking game, according to this review. It's very rare when I get to say that, especially with a 2600 game. The graphical quality is at least on par with the Intellivision, and even then, I think it looks better than several Intellivision games. The game is the quintessential beeps and boops type game that the 2600 is known for. All the sounds are just basic white noise effects spliced with a few farts from the sound chip. The only thing that stands out is the sound of throwing acid files, which I mentioned earlier, which is only vaguely melodic. Much of the game is played in complete silence, which for me at least is something I cannot stand. On the outset, may seem Quest for Quintana Roo is a very complicated game, but it is in fact very simple, to a point. Despite its complexities, Quest for Quintana Roo gets boring very quickly. The combination of samey graphics paired with repetitive gameplay, rife with backtracking, and the only payoff being another more difficult run. I wish the programmers went the Zonix route and programmed an actual ending into the game with maybe a cutscene a cut or just a musical jingle and just put in, there, put in some more difficult gameplay variations instead of having to go through the easy mode which could take you up to 15 to 20 minutes just to progress to level 2. I hear you, Dr. Spuds. Don't bother trying to buy this game unless it's in the price range I got mine, 10 to $15. Otherwise, you're simply overpaying for a polished turd. Wow, not a fan. Oh, but hey, I'll bet the videogamecritic.com likes it and... Uh, oh, never mind. In this elaborate adventure game, you explore a pyramid containing snakes, mummies, and treasures. Graphics are generally blocky, but adequate for their purpose. An unconventional control scheme allows you to shoot snakes, throw flasks, and discover secret vaults. But the controls prove awkward because the select and reset buttons are used quite a bit during the actual game. Grr. I added the grr. There's not much strategy involved. You just open all the vaults and collect everything you can. The lackluster gameplay didn't stop me from playing for about an hour. The ending was a major disappointment. I'm still not sure what happened. Quest for Quintana Roo will hold your attention for a while, but has little replay value. D+. Okay, so here's the interesting thing. Not the game. But Quintana Roo. It's a real place. Officially, according to the internet, the free and sovereign state of Quintana Roo. One of the 31 states which, with Mexico City, constitutes the 32 federal entities of Mexico, divided into 11 municipalities, and its capital city is Chetumal. The largest city is Cancun, and as I said, there are 11 municipalities in all. It's located on the eastern part of the Yucatan Peninsula, bordered by the states of uh, Campeche to the west and Yucatan to the northwest, and the Orange Walk and Corozal, Corozal districts of Belize, along with the offshore borderline of Belize District to the south has a coastline to the east with the Caribbean Sea and to the north with the Gulf of Mexico. Statewide population is expanding at a rapid rate due to the construction of hotels and demand for workers. And as of 2020, it posted a population of 1.8 million. So there you go. If anyone's ever been to Quintana Roo, let me know. But, but, before you write to me, please make sure you don't confuse Quintana Roo with Kanga and Roo. Kanga, of course, being the fictional character from A.A. Milne's books about Winnie the Pooh. I'm getting this from the Winniepedia. A beautiful brown female kangaroo, just like her son Roo. Good friend of Winnie the Pooh and all the other residents of the Hundred Acre Wood. Lives with Roo in a house near the Sandy Pit in the northwestern part of the forest. Tigger later comes to live with them, though only in the original storybooks. She speaks Australian with an Australian accent. Kango is based on the stuffed toy that belonged to Christopher Robin Milne. Christopher Robin Milne. Ernest H. Shepard's illustrations show Kango with brown fur all over. Like all female kangaroo, she has a pouch, usually called her pocket in the books. Unlike an actual animal, however, Kanga's pocket apparently closes with a button. Roo is a young adult kangaroo, a joey, who is a good friend of Winnie the Pooh, 
Kenga's son, lives with Kenga in a house near the Sandy Pit in the northwestern part of the Hundred Acre Wood. Lumpy and Tater are his best friends. He speaks Australian with an Australian accent, too. Constantly gets in trouble, but always learns his lesson. Cheerful and enthusiastic. Takes great joy in discovering the small wonders in life. Rue is the youngest of the characters in the original Winnie the Pooh books, and is a very small animal. The smallest in the stories, other than Rabbit's friends and relations, and Alexander Beetle. He was also based on one of Christopher Robin Milne's stuffed toys. Illustration, illustrations show Rue with brown fur and an upturned tail. So there you go. I'm glad we straightened that out. After the break, Ruby Ruby Quintana Roo! snowy bitter day at least where I live it's nice to take a little trip down south down to Quintana Roo to, to be specific so grab your I don't know sandals and pith helmet and a little umbrella drink and prepare to go on an adventure quest for Quintana Roo here we are there's the temple and a whole mess of snakes and there's me the item but I don't quite know what it is. It's one of these things that I have not yet figured out. So I'm about to die before I get the secret passage open. That's me dying. I'm back out here again. Moon god. Moon godding me. Did I mention I don't like having to reach over to press the select button on the console to pick up items? Because I don't. You know what? Never mind. We're going to go to a different room. I have not yet successfully completed this game. The part where you get the, uh, the maps, the rock map things to put in those holes at the bottom of the temple. I'm still trying to figure out this part. Maybe I can show you a secret passage, secret room. There it is. I don't know what that is, but I know I'm supposed to pick it up, and I got a bunch of points for it. Go away, snakes. Okay. Well, I picked up the medicine, but then I got bit again. So that's not good. I'm probably going to die again. I've tried watching the videos on YouTube. I still don't quite get it. Oh, here. I'll shoot some snakes. Yeah, but they just keep coming back. It doesn't really matter. Ultimately, you just have to outrun them. I have to change back to white to get out. Oh, let's see. Where should I go now? What? Yep, I am. Here's this room again. It doesn't really help that all the rooms look alike. I mean, I know there's only the half dozen levels or whatever, but still. Why use the medicine to you Well, I thought there was some way to put it back down again. That's what I'm still trying to figure out. Well, that was easy. Alright. Hey, I got 
that thing again. You're probably right though, I probably shouldn't have messed with it. Hey, moon god. Leave me alone. I mean, the game looks okay. Your guy looks very not adventure. He's sort of, I mean, no offense. He's sort of, you know, not muscular. Nerd. Got that, you think he looks, yeah. I was gonna say like a Fred Flintstone thing going on. I mean, he doesn't even have a pith helmet. Come on. Ooh, I don't know what that is. When I was looking for manuals for this game, I couldn't find anything that showed... Oh, shoot. Medicine. Yeah, I know. But I have to be... Eh. And now the snakes are gonna... You walk away. Because you're faster than the snakes. You think you're so smart. No wonder I keep Henry around. So I was able to cure myself of the snake bite. I can't seem to get out of this room, though. There we go. So I don't know what I just picked up. It looked like maybe it was a, a ruby or something. I think I started to say I couldn't find anywhere. No, I've been here already. I couldn't find anywhere that said what the different items in the secret rooms look like. So I don't know what I'm picking up when I pick stuff up. What do you think of the look of this game, Henry? Mm. Yeah. I don't know. It's 1980-something. There's a thing. Blue and round. Gave me a bunch of points. I don't really know what it's for, but okay. No well, yes, but I think each of the items you picked up has a function of some sort. Well, yes, but ultimately you're trying to pick up these map stones to put, come on, to put in these holes, one of the five holes in the bottom of the temple. These guys. But I, I don't know how to do that. And I can't change color out here, so I don't know how I use any of my items. I am very confused. Have I been in this one yet? Yeah, I have. I've been in all of them, haven't I? Yeah. I did not... Have you been to the ones on the other side? I think they're the same. I don't think it matters, but maybe it does. I have not played this game to completion before recording this field report. Maybe I should have. But I didn't. Another thing that I'm calling a ruby, but I don't know what it is actually. Alright, we'll go the other side then. Hope that snake doesn't bite me. Nope, no snake bite stuff in there. Have to go find some snake bite stuff. This is exciting for you audio listeners. There's some. Yay! Alright, maybe it is different on the other side. Don't ask me what this little purple square is, because I don't know. Don't know. I'm gonna die again. 20 seconds. The game, it's, other than the guy, the game itself looks okay. You got a temple, you got secret rooms, you got stuff to pick up. I wish there was a bit more of a, an intuitive inventory. You know, a way to actually see what you have and how it, things all look alike. They're all squares, basically, in your inventory. Like, there's a bunch of blue squares on the left that I know in my bullets. 
And I don't know what the red squares on the right are. I think those are vials of acid for zombies. When I was playing earlier, I did open a secret passage and a zombie came out. That was exciting. There is some snake bite medicine when I need it. Start, you should look for the there. Yeah, I guess I have it. I must not have, huh? Because it's not open. Oh, shoot. Yeah, I know. Once again, I really don't like having to push the select button to make things happen. Remember, Henry? Up there, the top. The top? The top. Like the big up this could be the end. I live for a moment. No, don't you dare. Hey, a harp. I'm saying. I don't know. There's more in the Dang other it. room. Go to the other room. Oh, I think I like. like I think that has something to do with like health or something. Well, maybe. It won't let me out of the room. What do you think? There's some snake bite stuff, I'm dude. Try that, like, I'm gonna run out of time. Try anyway. And just keep going through the room. Yeah, I'm gonna die. There I go. I'm dying. I'm dead. You're dead. I'd be dead, yo. You are dead. Are we sad? We be sad, yo. No. Be sad. No. Dang it. Alright, well, back to you in the studio. Hey, Atari fans, this is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Cart by Cart podcast. Join Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review cartridge-based games for the Atari's last answer to the 8-bit gaming system, as well as delve deep into their history. Kieran will also introduce everyone to the UK's budget games. You can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's xegs, the number 8, bit.com. Second Duck on the Right and Other Very Short Stories is my new short story collection. Duck Con Artists, Zombies, Things on Fire, Supervillain Angst, and A Future Without Poop are just a few of the topics in these stories. Also, the occasional really bad poem. Waddle on over to your favorite bookseller, or swim downstream to my website, tarnivalofgleecreations.com, for more information. Insert quacking up joke here. Here's the thing about Quest for Quintana Roo. I did not have fun playing this game. Now, I'm not going to say it's a bad game. It does look good, if basic. If I was 10, you know, taking my allowance money to Target, picking out games, and I saw this, I would, of course, have bought it immediately. And if all I had to do in life was be 10 years old and sit in the basement or the TV room on a Saturday with a bowl of Cheetos, and figure out this game, I'd be totally happy. But I'm not. So that may be coloring uh, my perception of this game a little bit. I'm a 50-year-old man with many, many, many things to do. And now, and frankly, even then, when I was 10, what I really wanted then and want now from an Atari game is to pick it up and shoot things 
with lasers, maybe occasionally uh, bombs, but uh, or I want to eat pellets, or I want to climb ladders and you know save the princess from the gorilla, stuff like that. I don't want to read a lot of instructions. I don't want to have to remember which little square is the medicine and which little square is the gun and where I left them. I've played games like that on better systems, newer systems, and really like them. But uh, and I give points to Atari Sunrise Games in this case from trying to do it then, but it doesn't quite work. It ends up being pretty repetitive. It's not all that interesting, and the the final finished product falls kind of flat. I think even for my 10-year-old self, I would have happily spent all that time figuring it out, only to realize, oh, I mean, to be fair, I, I, you know, just to, to be clear, I'm not singling out this game. I'm not particularly a fan, I know this is heresy, of games like Adventure uh, or Raiders of the Lost Ark. Probably Raiders a little bit more uh, than Adventure, only because of my affection for the Indiana Jones movies, but... I just don't think this kind of game works well enough on the Atari system to to make me enjoy it. That plus the time pressure of having to learn all these all these little details that are made even harder by the fact that the graphic limitations make it make the game look simpler than it, it would it with later game systems. I'm rambling now. Uh, the point is, my disappointment in this game should not be taken as a suggestion that the game is bad, only an acknowledgement that the game is limited, and when the game is limited and has complicated rules to it, I'm kind of done at that point. So, that's just me. Your mileage may vary. Uh, Let me know what you think. It's story time on Atari Bites. Yes, it's story, 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 story time with Bill. This week's story comes to us from Bad Poetry Corner called The Quest Chooses Us. Life is a quest. Starts from day one. Kids at play dream of the future. Confident teens know all for sure. Seek balance between work and, and fun. A quest to map road to fortune. Whatever that means to us all, your life's choices feel like your call. College, trade, job, travel the world, spouse, kid, find your wants, life unfurled. Wait, life, though, might just mock your goal. Marriage, breakups, an unplanned kid, health setback, life change is focus, dream gone, security locus, job transfer or end. Kids move in. Our relationships ebb and flow. Take a trip. Move house. On the go. Felt in charge. But really, were you? Now you're old. Anecdotes not new. Quest is over. Fade out the glow. I did. Hi, this is 8-Bit Rocket, Jeff Fulton, from the End of the Vertical Blank Generation Atari podcast. And you are listening to the incomparable William Pepper and his wonderful stories of the game within a game on the Atari Bytes podcast. When you are done here, come visit us in the Vertical Blank. Now, back to Bill. And that's our show. Thanks to Kevin McLeod and Incompetech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, 
Reformat, Take a Chance in Pinball Spring. Thanks to Sean Tortney for the storytime theme. Don't forget you don't have to go all the way to Quintana Roo to leave a review of this podcast, though it sounds lovely. You can leave a five-star review from the comfort of your own home. Just head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get podcasts and do that. Umbrella drinks optional. Email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. Like the show on our Facebook page. Follow the show on Twitter at Atari Bytes. Or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. And do, please do, oh please please do, check us out on Instagram. You can also call me. I'm not going to answer the phone, so sorry. But you can leave me a voicemail. 563-265-1978. About pretty much anything you want. Heck, even if you have travel advice. Leave me a message, and I'll probably play it on the show. Check out the website, www.carnivalofgleecreations.com. You're going to find stuff about this show, about my other show. It's a podcast, Charlie Brown. Information about books that I've written, like Second Duck on the Right and other very short stories. And all sorts of other goodness about stuff that I'm up to. I would also appreciate if you consider supporting the show by joining the Patreon project over there at the Atari Bytes page on patreon.com. Among the many goodies that you might be able to partake in, you can also, in a sense, be in an exclusive club with these folks, who have my sincere thanks. Michael Tyler, Jose Cazeta, Sean Courtney, M. West, Patrick McCarthy, Jeremy L., Mark Super, and Jim Doble. All right, we're just about out of here. All that's left is to tell you next time on Atari Bytes. We're playing a game that I don't really know anything about, but I saw a title in something I was reading, so I said, that's the next game I'm doing. And it's called Assault. I'm going to guess it's about picking daisies. But we'll find out next episode. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you.